0: Welcome to Ministry Strong with Lisa Whittle, where ministry matters so much that a co-host and I have conversations to help strengthen and encourage ministry leaders to serve Jesus with integrity for the long haul, and we don't shy away from the tough issues about culture and the church. Topic at hand, women. Women.
1: You ready for it? I think it's a dangerous place for me to be in. <laughs> but you know what? God has sovereignly positioned me potentially for this because I've got not just my wife and our three boys, but two years ago, we added uh, MJ, Amelia Jane to our That's family. Right. So I'm a girl dad officially. Yeah. And it's the best thing that could have ever happened to me. And I'm like guy five. We're, um, there are five dudes that work at Proverbs 31 yeah. Ministries. And so I am... I am surrounded. You work with women. That's right. You work with a lot of women. And you and I have worked
0: together before, so you've entered my circle of trust, which is not easy to enter, by the way, Joel. I will point (laughs) that out. Yes. Let's talk about women in ministry, and we're going to go there, and I think it's super important to talk about this in the context of limitation. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the frame that I want to want to dive into here. It's like the context of limitation and being held back. And I can tell you, Joel, as a woman and as a woman who talks to a lot of women and you've probably heard this conversation too. Mm-hmm. Women in ministry feel held back. That is a fact.
1: Yeah. So I think it's important that I just acknowledge that yeah. And and affirm it. And um, and just say I see it, hear it, and and experience it uh, from an outside perspective. And so I think sometimes what can happen, Lisa, is like, you know, it's like you feel like you're crazy. Like, am I? Is this really a thing? Is it not a thing? Like, what? And I just want, you know, I just want to be a person as a guy on the outside that says you're not crazy. Like, it is a it is a real thing. And I'm glad that we're going to address it or at least attempt to tackle this conversation. Yeah. Today.
0: Because this is a big topic, so we're gonna we're gonna do what we can. Um, So I appreciate that. Thank you very much for saying that. What, Mike? I guess one thing I would love to know on that in that vein: Do you think that you're in the majority or the minority of men that see that? A
1: minority, hands down.
0: Okay, hands down, minority. Tell me why. Like, do you like do dudes? Do Christian dudes? Do Christian Mm -hmm. dudes? Guys in ministry, do you ever discuss this? Is it never even th- a topic? Because here's my perception. My thought is, you guys don't really even discuss it cuz it's not really a thing to you cuz you guys are okay. And I don't say this with a chip on my shoulder. I come at this from a from just a person who's real and wants to just talk about it. Yeah. So I'm not mad. I just say I just want to call it what it is. Do you guys just? It's not even on your radar screen. Yeah.
1: Once again, dangerous that Joel uh, is going to be the um, the the voice of men on this one. So just know, okay. right, guys, I'm gonna do my best. I'm gonna do my best, <laughs> but I gotta be honest. Like I really do. And here's and here's one of the things that I found. Prior to my role at Proverbs, um, I would say no. We never had these conversations in Bible college. Would, in the halls yeah. of Bible college? You would have really. We would no. We would never have this conversation. Yeah. Never. Okay. It, it would never come up. It, it was a non. It, but I think this is also true. For and you alluded to it. It's a non-issue because unless it becomes your issue, you typically don't care about these types of things. Right. I mean that's true across the board. I mean, across the board. But what, how it does come up now is interesting. Uh, now it's because of my visibility at Proverbs and my role and the things that I get to do. Uh, now the question usually is like, so Joel, like, how does that work? Hmm. Like, how, you know, like, like, how do you, how do you make that work? And I think it's an interesting perspective as soon as somebody has to say that to me, because what that means to me is the narrative in their brain already walking into that question to me is that it's difficult for it to work even. Ooh, that's,
0: yeah, that's interesting. But I think that's true. Mm hmm. No, keep going. I'm listening. Well, I mean,
1: I, I, and so I have to start from there. I have to start from and so here. Let me just give some observations. What do you have
0: to break down, though? So what? what so if they think it's difficult, what do they think it's difficult to work with women? What? What is that?
1: Yeah, It's super dangerous. Like you know. Okay, like, but,
0: but it's dangerous. Let's but just Let's all talk agree about we're going to
1: have kindness and grace we and compassion are, for Joel.
0: Yes, we are. Go- you, Joel. I know I ha- that. I Joel, There's say cookies behind you. I've, got, I've, I've got already you. had like five. I have got you. Your coffee is continuously going. You yes. know you're welcome. It's overflowing. Here. Okay. Yes.
1: So I would say the the thought or the preconception about this, which is errant, very wrong, but it's true, is that women are hard to work with. It's okay. an emotional environment. Okay. We we never get anything done. Okay. Um. You know. It's there's instability. Okay. Um, Uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's, and it's not volatile in that it's angry. It's volatile primarily in its emotional kind of situation. Um, and like, do I have a voice in the sense that you won't get a word in edgewise? Kind of. Yeah. You know, (laughs) I just finished your sentence. So maybe I proved that one true. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know, so I think those are all the, the thoughts. Those are all the ideas of, of why it might be difficult. Um, I think this has been one of the... Okay, I, I've said this often, actually, before. Throughout my entire academic career, and I'm talking an undergrad in biblical studies, an MDiv, a master's in organizational psychology, and a PhD in biblical theology, I... I'm just fact-checking, nothing changed. Yep. I never <laughs> had a single professor who was a woman.
0: Ooh, let me... Let me. But let me give a pause here. Let me soak this in, <laughs> and no. let me
1: just talk denominationally. Yeah, I went from um, undergrad in Christian Church, kind of um, non-denominational environment, to an MDiv at a Presbyterian seminary, to a secular degree, University of Phoenix, to um, a, uh, a PhD at a Baptist seminary, Midwestern Baptist Never. Once. And so, why I say that is because I would argue, and I say this often to my team at Proverbs and to um, all my friends, I would argue that some of the greatest theological training and development and insights that have happened to me um, and in conversation have been around a great table, a round table with open Bibles and open hearts with men and women working through the text together. So, do you think
0: that this is? Do you think it's denominational to some degree, at least?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because I, I'll just say this. I have had experience in different denominations. I was raised Baptist and I'm not, we're not here to trash a denomination. I don't, I don't think that's important or necessary or yeah. any of the above. Cause I think that's getting in the weeds, to be honest with you. Although I think there are some things that we, we think about, we point out all those kind of things. I was raised Southern Baptist um belief system was basically women can't preach on Sundays um but i had a dad and my dad was the pastor But my dad was also very, very supportive of me personally. Lisa, you can do anything. You can be anything. So I didn't feel particularly hindered. Yeah. Which was a kind of a crazy, like a a almost. I got
1: a question about that. How did that work out for you? Because how can you be a part of SBC? Yeah. Very kind of by the book in in some ways. like. How did you navigate that? In, like it feels inconsistent yeah. to my brain.
0: Well, it kind of was somewhat inconsistent. That's that is true. But I will say, the older that I got, and the and the more that my dad watched me use my gifts, and the more my dad was kind of out of his rigidity of where he was pastoring in his younger years. Like he'd had a public fall. He'd kind of gone through a lot himself. Mm-hmm. He changed a lot. Right. I also i Am not sure that he ever uh, fully agreed with me pr- preaching. Let's say on a Sunday somewhere, but it was his daughter, and so I think for him, the what he what he observed with me using my gifts was stronger than some kind of doctrine that he adopted as a Baptist pastor.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now I don't know. You can you can assess that how you will. Yeah. But I will say that he either changed his mind and I don't we never talked about it. Huh. I will either I will say he either changed his mind about what he believed
1: or he was willing to just cheer me so handedly that he didn't care. Yeah, I think this is so like it interestingly I think it's a value system. That that and it doesn't become personal. It's how we opened this. Until it's become until it becomes your issue. That's right. It's not gonna become an issue. Yeah. And um and here's another interesting thing that I think is important for our discussion is like, how, how, okay, let me ask you this. How have you navigated what are, like, the technical term I think is like theological triage. That's what I've heard uh, discussed. Kay. How do you determine what are like things that we got to die on the hill about? Mm-hmm. Things that are like, mm, I've got a biblical conviction on right. this and yet I can be charitable and honest that there's multiple views on it. And then things are like, y'all got to get over it. It's it's, it's not even worth wasting our breath over arguing this thing. That's like truly just a conscious conscience issue. Where does women and their uh, ability or inability to serve vocationally in ministry or in their giftings fall in those three categories for you? And then how have you navigated that place?
0: Mm. This could be a two hour discussion. (laughs) Also, I am someone who um, tries to be very careful about my own feelings and, um, (laughs) annoyances versus, uh, making sure that I'm being Holy Spirit led. So I I have to, I have to really be careful here because I can get off on a rant. I'm just going to, I'm just going to tell you right now, I can get off on a rant because I'm so pro women and I'm so pro using your gifts. And I think so many things are really, really unnecessary conversations Mm -hmm. for the gospel of Jesus Christ that, I mean, you can hear it in my voice. I I could literally, Joel, just say, get over yourselves, preach the gospel, you know, and, and stop arguing about nonsense. Like, I think we could make a case for so many things that don't matter, even based on scripture and reading the fact that. I mean, there, there's a there's a good bit of emphasis on all the 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 the, the spotlighting on all the, the the nonsense arguments of Pharisees and Sadducees. I mean, there was some time spent on that in Scripture. Yeah. So I, I say all that to say, I think that women using our gifts is an issue that has been long debated um, in a way that has made women feel. Um, in a way that I think that God would not intend. Mm. Um, I think it has been misused, overused, abused, and we are um, majoring on something that I believe is um, displeasing to God. Mm. Um, so, it, if you want to, if you want to categorize that, I would say that most, if not all, of the things that we're arguing about are not are are. Are not non negotiables. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you look at scripture, they're not non negotiables. Now, I realize there are certain things at play when it talks about office holding. Right, right. And I get that. And I'm actually probably one of the last, or at least one of the most. Um, theologically conservative, um, Bible teachers that exist female wise. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly don't want to say I'm the only, and I'm probably not the most conservative, but I would say theologically I, I would, I would be considered more conservative than uh, quite a few. Yeah. But I also am very careful not to, um, I don't like labels. I really don't. And so I don't use them unless at all necessary. Yeah. Let's put it that way.
1: Yeah. I think that's so good.
0: As a leader, do you ever feel like there's not enough of you to go around? Maybe you feel alone or that you're too busy helping others to tend to your own needs. Do you ever wonder who you should talk to about your life? If so, I want to tell you about anchored hope and the excellent counseling available to you today. Anchored Hope brings care and counseling to ministry leaders like you as well as the people you serve. They offer convenient and confidential virtual counseling with professionally trained and theologically educated counselors. Choose a counselor based on a specific issue or contact the Anchored Hope team to ask for a recommendation based on your needs or partner with them as a ministry and utilize their services as a helpful extension of your team. As a shepherd and leader, you have to have a place you can trust for your own help and healing. To explore counselors and schedule your first session, visit anchoredhope.co. If you use code ministrystrong at sign up, you'll get 10% off all your sessions through 2023. Again, that's anchoredhope.co. H-O-P-E dot C-O. And don't forget to use code ministrystrong when you register. Churches are full of hurting people, and pastors spend a lot of their time helping hurting people get better. But who is helping our pastoral leaders heal from their own hurts, anxieties, and struggles? When these hurts aren't healed, how do they affect their ministry? Right Now Media partnered with best selling author and psychologist Dr. Henry Cloud to answer these questions. A Church That Heals is a free video series that Right Now Media designed to encourage church leaders in their own process of healing. Taught by Dr. Henry Cloud, a church Church That Heals explores how spiritual growth and formation can lead to healing clinical issues, relational struggles, and professional discouragement. In this series, Dr. Cloud shares how leaders who are healed can better lead churches that heal. To access this free five-session video series, visit rightnowmedia.org slash ministrystrong. That's rightnowmedia.org slash ministrystrong. Leadership can feel lonely, but it doesn't have to be that way. Jenny Catron and the Foresight Group offer a Women in Leadership online coaching group designed specifically to help female leaders find confidence, clarity, and community. Women in Leadership is a four-month virtual experience with mastermind groups and live instruction from highly successful female leaders like Deanne Turner, Allie Worthington, Joe Sexton, and more. This is the perfect opportunity to invest in your leadership so you can lead others better. The next group begins in June Sign up today at GetForesight.com slash strong. That's Get, the number four, S-I-G-H-T dot com slash strong. Use code ministry strong 10 for 10% off.
1: I think what I found is like there's um, the non-negotiable for me is the dignity that is inerrant in women. And that they're made in the image and likeness of God, just like men. And so that dignity is just like anything that that puts into question that innate dignity is a a big deal for me, right? It's something that we need to fight uh, for. And then the problem, I think, is, well, what does that dignity allow for us to do? In ministry, and what is that? That where where does it lead us in terms of um, what we should do, what we shouldn't do, or how do we accept it if we if we disagree? Here's where I would I would go with the people that are on the opposite side of the conversation that look at it and go, well, I disagree with it. How do I how do I deal with it? I would say you deal with it by getting over it. <laughs> if it's if it's a non dignity issue. And if it's a secondary issue that is based off of personal conviction, and if the gospel is being preached, then it you have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to, uh, to I think it's Romans 13 talks about it, to pursue peace, if possible, all within your means. You know, And sometimes that means for me, at least there are a lot of theological things that I could debate about, that I could disagree about. More often than not, I find myself thinking in my brain, Hmm. That's interesting. I probably disagree, but they could be right. And if they are right, good for them. Let's move on. Right.
0: No, I think that's really good. And also a, I think a seldom adopted philosophy that I would love to see adopted more. I think people, people don't even understand how to be reasoned anymore. And I appreciate what you're saying there. Also, I want to say this too, as you were talking, something that came to my mind is, I think for women, and I I feel safe speaking on behalf of us in this way, you were talking about the dignity piece. I think for a lot of us as women, the fact, any of the arguments that happen about our giftings feels a little bit like arguments about, uh, we, we feel like our dignity is at stake. Right. I don't care what the argument is. I, I mean, I feel like, why are my gifts on the table right. for you to argue about? I don't care what you're talking about, in what context. I don't feel like that is something that should be debated by people, by, by men, I'll say it. And I, I have I have raised two men I have been married to one for 27 years, and I love men. I am very pro-man, and I don't like the trend of bash men to elevate women. I think that's anti-gospel, actually, and I think it's damaging. I also don't think it's necessary. I feel very um, free and elevated as a woman in my own space without needing to do that. Um, I, I, I just don't feel like we need to have I I don't want my gifts debated uh by men uh as as to whether I should use them because my dignity feels at feels on the table when that happens I don't care what the issue is so I think there's a lot of women that feel that way well if you're even debating what I can do here and there why is that not personal between me and the lord
1: yeah that's so good
0: so I mean you know it, it, you you get into these conversations of should a woman uh be able to use her gifts on the stage should she be able to be on church staff should she only be relegated to using them online like this is why we have these issues is why why are we having these debates and are they worthy debates
1: and why are we why why is all this happening let me let me I think that's an important question but I here's what I found I found most people that are debating this this is going to feel super dangerous for me to say this, but I feel like dudes are the, are the ones that are debating this the most. No, well, of course they are. That's right? That's the truth. I mean, yes. my question for you, because I know what I think, because I'm a guy. My question for you is, what is the motivation for the debate? Why is there so much mental space, emotional space, social media space, um, you know, social media, uh, whatever, just spilled, on this particular topic in this particular way from men? I, I'm going to give you, uh, I'm going to tell you two things that
0: I believe. One, I believe it is absolutely, in many cases, fear driven. Um, I think that anytime things like that happen to that degree and there's fierce, there's fierce debate, it's one of two things. I think it's either fear driven, or I think there is, and I'm going to give guys the benefit of the doubt with this. I think there are guys who firmly believe they are with whole up upholding a scriptural, um, theological belief, and be it whether we believe the way or agree with the way that they're arguing it, we like it, we don't like it, we have to know that in their mind, that is what they believe, and they are doggedly fighting for it.
1: So I think one of the challenges is we've, we've um, how do I say this? I think that we have begun to lose sight of the particular authority and influence that we have as ministry leaders. And when I say that, this is what I mean. I might have a responsibility for a local church as a pastor, but when did it become my responsibility for every church and every pastor to, to hold to what I believe? Okay, Do you yeah. see what I'm saying? Yeah, I do, I and do. So, and so now what that means, though, is that I can't be in relationship with people that don't think the same way that I do, even if, these are secondary issues they have every reason to think the way that they do. But because they don't think the way that I think, now it has to be a win or lose situation. And every time it's a win or lose situation, my personal belief is everybody's losing all the time. So let me let me use a different example to kind of shed light on this one. I was in a PhD seminar once and um, we were talking about communion. And there are certain people who believe that communion should only be given to members of that local church. So if I'm a Christian and I'm going to this church to visit, and actually the pastor of this guy, this church invited me to preach at their church and so we're in this conversation i'm like whoa, whoa, whoa wait a minute are you saying that if you invited me <laughs> to come preach at your church that if you were having communion on that sunday that i would not be offered communion because i'm not a local member of that church you just wanted it by saying yeah absolutely now we could fiercely debate that and talk about it and and you know but at the end of the day i could leave that conversation and go hey you're a local pastor of a local church in a local setting and I can respect the responsibility that you feel, kind of what you're talking about with those men that have a deep biblical conviction about this thing and yet it's got to also be OK for me to have my conviction in my area and him not try to silence me or, um, or, or say that I'm in sin in an issue that isn't really dealing about that. And I think that's where that elevation happens or around this conversation that really messes things up for people, because we're stepping outside of our area of like influence or authority or um, just what we should be kind of called to, and I think it's actually hurting relationships a lot more.
0: Yeah. No, I agree with what you're saying. Here's what I know for sure as a woman. This is what I know for sure as a woman. I know that when I have walked into spaces, when I was going to speak somewhere, I know that there has been a different level of me needing to prove myself than I believe. Now, I'm not a man, so I don't know, but I know that I have felt a different air of needing to prove myself that I could carry that stage than a man would need to prove. I don't think I've ever talked to a man that said, I felt like I needed to be able to go and prove I could. Now, I'm not debating that you might have had to follow some dude who was a really, um, a speaker that's been speaking for 50 years, and you're like, I got to follow this guy, and he's a really... So there's levels to this. I get it. Yep. But I just know as a woman, I'm going to, case in point, anytime I've been like a chapel speaker at a Christian university, right? Right very skewed towards having at, at a Christian university they they typically have male speakers right they usually have one or two women thrown in so that it doesn't look terrible um, and I love my Christian universities but that's the way it goes not all but but many that I've spoken at right mm-hmm. so they throw in a couple women throughout the year so that there so it's not just men There's a different air when you go in there and you're a woman, you already
1: know that the kids are thinking, Oh, I got a woman speaker today. Mm." Can I just be I'm gonna give you a confession moment? Yeah because I was one of those kids in those Christian colleges. You know what we would do whenever we saw a woman. We saw a woman? Yeah. That'd be the day that we would use our skip day.
0: Right. Okay. So This is
1: horrific. I'm confessing. But but Joel, but
0: this is important. (laughs) Listen, I'm not mad at you. I would rather you say that. You know why, Joel? Because we women know it's true, yeah. so I'm. It makes me. It actually fills me with joy that you would say that. Because we don't want to pretend like that's not true. We already know it, but we need someone to say it. We need a man to have the courage to say that, because we know that it's true. Yeah. And so when I get up there, I have a different kind of pressure on me. If it's, you know, it's not about performance, but it is a different kind of pressure that you feel that we carry. So not only do we carry the weight of needing to needing to speak, we carry the weight of knowing that we have this extra pressure of people don't have much to expect from you. People are not expecting you to be really have much worthy to say. That is a dignity issue, right. speaking of dignity. That we are that we carry inadvertently that we carry because this conversation has been going on for too long. Mm. And so here's what I want to say to this. What I want to say to the men that are listening is, I believe that you can do a great work by, one, doing exactly what Joel said, being honest about what is really happening, the perceptions, the uh, belief systems, the lack of um, giving opportunity for to give women the opportunity to prove your perceptions wrong. Yeah. Right. I mean, part of this is, Joel, we need some men to open the doors for us. Um, We are able to do things that you don't think we can do. And, And sure, maybe maybe in the past, you've had an experience with someone that hasn't a woman that hasn't done well. But We've also had experience with men that haven't been well. And if we're going to give each other the chance in the body of Christ, we have to really give each other the chance. So to the men, I would say, be honest, open the door, give us some opportunities. And to the women, I would say, women, Let's listen to what Joel has just said about what some of the perceptions are, because I'm not afraid to hear those. I'm not afraid that sometimes the perceptions are that we have been difficult to work with, that we have been over emotional. And let's take care of our emotional business so that we have the respect uh, that we can on our end, that we can do our part, because I do believe we need to own what's true. And we do need to do what we can so that we are the good co-laborers that we can be because it's going to take both of us. It's going to take both of us doing this.
1: Yeah, I think we have to um we have to return to what I refer to as the edenic ideal. How did God create Adam and Eve in the garden and there was a co-laboring together. Mm there was um, responsibility and there was dignity and there was status and there was standard and and they had a role to work in together. When did everything go haywire between Adam and Eve? It was in the, the one moment where it seems like Eve is separated from Adam and there's a distance between them in which Adam refuses to speak up for what is right and which Eve... Um, entertains a conversation that should have never been entertained in the first place. Yeah. And so you can't say one is at fault over the other. I just wonder what would have happened if both of them were together and just lived out the ideal that God had given them. Yeah, Ivra said, nah, hold up, bro. We're not having this conversation, serpent. And Adam would have said, "Yeah, we're done. It's time to move on. We know what our what our role and responsibility is. It is a co-laboring, a co-relationship, um, a complement a complementary type of living. And I think that we've got to return to that ideal. It's not about an obliteration of our genders. It's not about." Um, no longer seeing women as women and seeing men as men, but it's actually a celebration of the way that God uniquely wired women, God uniquely wired men, so that we can complement each other and keep each other in balance and keep each other um, in a space where we can do the best gospel kingdom work that I believe when we do it together in a God-honoring way is going to go so much further than just a woman-oriented situation or just a male-oriented situation. Um, and I just think what is at stake in front of us in order to see, you know, the one thing we know that for certain will usher in the return of Christ is the spreading of the gospel, the, the proclaiming of the goodness of Jesus out to the nations. And so I think this um, this principle of men and women working together and men, y'all, we've got to open doors that are reasonable that are available to us so that um so that women are cherished and honored and valued um it is not it is not an option it's a necessity
0: ministry strong is a production of ivy media podcasts produced and edited by angie elkins Artwork by Caleb Peavy and Noel Rhodes. Original music by Robert Elkins. A special thanks to my Ministry Strong team. Thank you for your dedication and hard work. Your hosts of Season 1 are Lisa Whittle and Dr. Joel Matamale. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get strong in here.